are listening to audio from Emmanuel Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more resources like this one, go to EmmanuelBirmingham.com. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Good morning, church. How's everybody? Merry Christmas. Well, I hope everyone had a good Christmas. It's great to see all of you. Beckham, great job. Uh, in order to kind of give uh, more of our childcare workers a break this morning. Uh, we're going to have more of a scaled back child care option this morning. So I know you thought it was not possible to have a, a greater kid to parent ratio in the Emmanuel gathering than usual. Um, but in fact, that is true. We are certainly uh, outnumbered this morning. Um, but yeah, no worries on that end. I'm used to being outnumbered. Uh, by kids. So we'll, we're going to have a great time uh, this morning. So glad uh, that you're here. So kids, I want every kid in here who is seven years old and under to raise your hand. So if you're one, two, three, four, five, or six, or seven, raise your hand. Keep them up. All right. Well, I wanted to make sure that you knew and your parents knew there's a coloring sheet kind of back there in the foyer um, that goes along uh, with the message today. And on this picture, there's this guy digging up treasure. All right. And he's got a treasure box right here. And so you can color that picture and listen while I'm talking. If you finish that picture, some of you are, are super fast, sometimes inconveniently fast with how you color. Um, your second assignment is this. On the back, I want you to draw maybe some of the most valuable and cool things that you think might be in that treasure chest on the back. And make sure you take lots of time to get all the details in there because uh, we don't want you to finish too quickly on that. We're going to look at the words of Jesus this morning from Matthew chapter 13. One of the things I loved about Christ was just just how incredible of a teacher he was, right? Um, so he would speak to people in different ways, um, in appropriate ways, but depending on who his audience was. So for example, when he would be speaking to highly educated, like religious elite folks, maybe who were trying to trap him with a theological question, he would speak a certain way to them. Or there was a time where he met this woman who was dishonorable, who was trying to avoid contact with other people. So she was drawing water at a well in the middle of the day. And he spoke a, a certain way that was appropriate to her. I loved the way that he would speak to his disciples. It was always so patient and discerning. You could tell that he had observed their lives and he spoke to their hearts. But often, Jesus would teach to large crowds, big groups of people. And when he would, often he would use parables. And one of the reasons he did this is a parable, is it's a simple story. And it's used to communicate a, a spiritual lesson. So Jesus teaches by telling stories. And now these stories didn't literally happen, but he's telling them to communicate a point. So Jesus in this, set, in this setting in Matthew 13, he's sitting by the sea like a large body of water. 
and this crowd starts to gather around him. And as they gather around him, they, they kind of are, are crowding him out. And so he actually gets in a boat and gets out in the water a little bit so they can hear him better and see him better. And in this crowd stands on the beach and he's in the boat and he teaches to them. And so one of his followers named Matthew records what Jesus said that day and then wrote it um, in our Bibles, and that's what we're reading this morning. So I'll read it again. Beckham did a great job reading it a second ago. Matthew 13, 44, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I want y'all to imagine this man, right? Maybe you can picture this guy right here in this picture. Kids, I want you to imagine him walking through a field. You ever walk through a field along a path, and he's just minding his business, and all of a sudden he stumbles on something. Something that's not supposed to be there, something out of place, and maybe he trips on the edge of a, of a treasure chest sticking out of the ground. He's unsure what it is. He wasn't expecting to to find anything, not anything valuable, but boy, he did find something valuable. He found a treasure, a lifetime of wealth, and it's just lying there unclaimed in this field. And so this man thinks to himself, what do I have to do to own this treasure, to experience a life filled with the benefits of this treasure? So he knows I've got to buy this field so that this treasure can be mine. So what does he do? He covers it back up. Maybe he takes some dirt and he kind of throws it back over it or some leaves or some branches or something like that. He covers it up and he runs off to try to buy the field. But the problem is he doesn't have enough money. That in order to have enough money to buy the field, he had to sell everything that he owns. I mean, think about it. Everything he would have had to sell his house, his furniture, his livestock, his tools, anything that had value. It was the estate sale of all estate sales. Everything is for sale in order to get enough money to purchase this field. So the point of this parable, guys, is for us to understand the incredible worth of knowing Jesus. That's the point of the parable so some of the possessions he sold, he probably had for a long time. He said goodbye to them in an instant. No brainer. Easy. Why would he do this? Because he knew the value of what he would gain in that field would far surpass everything he'd owned up until that point. And it's a good question to ask ourselves. Are we willing to sell everything we own to have Jesus? So Jesus tells this story to this crowd as he's sitting there in the boat and there on the beach. And he knows that when he tells this story, it's going to begin to expose hearts. He knows that this story would cause some of his hearers to start to consider what they really value. What are they living for? And so it's helpful for us to ask that too. What do we treasure? What are we living for? So kids, here are some of the things. I'm going to give you three things that you, you can treasure other than Jesus. One of them is material things. And so what does that mean? It means toys and clothes and games. 
So you, I'm sure you guys all opened Christmas presents yesterday or in some of the days before. Let me give you some of the favorite Christmas presents opened at my house yesterday. So I polled the kids. So Levi's favorite present he got was a hoverboard. It was pretty cool. I can't say that word I was telling Jason. I can't say it without picturing Marty McFly in an orange puffer vest. It's not the exact same thing, but it's still cool. Um, Levi got a hoverboard. Ezra got an RC car. Ruthie and Emery both got roller skates and have fallen down easily 100 times each. Um, and Lincoln got a New Balance bike that he's really proud of himself for, for waddling around on. Um, they are all in um, stomach bug protocol right now, so be praying for them. Um, but all these are cool things, right? They're such good things to get these gifts. But, but parents, y'all know this, right? That um, Kids, here's the, here's the frustrating thing for parents sometimes. We can give you a gift and you love it. And then maybe a few weeks or days or um, hours later, you're not quite as into that thing that you were so into a few minutes ago. Because we have this thing in us to where toys don't always satisfy us for very long because we're made for something else. So, so material things can be something we treasure. The approval or opinions of others, this kind of comes in when you get a bit older. You want to be friends with certain people. You want to be making sure you, you do what it takes to get invited places or included in certain groups. It can be a lot of pressure. Sometimes... Thirdly, there's just this temptation to treasure wanting to have everything just like you want it. Just have it your way. And so it's interesting, grown-ups, it's a lot of the same things that we can treasure material things. And maybe it's not hoverboards or RC cars, but we can treasure financial security, fat bank accounts, big house in the right neighborhood, new cars, new clothes, Luxurious vacations. And grown-ups, treasuring the approval or opinions of others isn't just something for middle school, is it? We want to be well-liked, enjoyed, well-thought-of, especially by certain groups of people that we esteem. We want to be thought to be successful, intelligent, attractive, we want to have the ability to, to have things just like we want them. So we value comfort and convenience and autonomy and control. Sometimes we want to have our cake and eat it too, if you've heard that expression. We want the warmth and security of Christ while not being, being inconvenienced by Him. But brother and sister, you guys know it. There's a cost to following Christ. There's a cost to discipleship, a cost to be counted. And now the value gained far outweighs the cost, but nonetheless, there is a cost. I want to tell you a story about a rich young man in Mark chapter 10 who wanted to follow Jesus, but he had a hard time because he had a lot of things. So this man says to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him, you know the commandments. He's, Jesus is very perceptive. He sees his heart. He says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the rich man said to him, teacher, I've kept all these from my youth. 
So he's kept all the rules this rich man has. And looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, but you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But the rich man was dismayed by this demand and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. This man had many possessions, so he didn't want to sell them and follow Christ. He really wanted to have Christ and hold on to all of his possessions as well. And so kids and honestly adults too, for that matter, I guess, the goal of coming and learning about Jesus, of gathering as a church, it's not just to learn to keep the rules. Even though that's, that's good, it's not just to learn to behave You see, this rich man was evidently good at keeping the rules. He kept them, but he didn't treasure Christ. He loved his possessions more. The goal of gathering and trying to help form one another spiritually is that we would grow to love Jesus more. In Matthew 6, Jesus says this, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, or where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen to this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's one phrase I don't want us to miss in this verse right here. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, and then he covered up. Then this phrase, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. In his joy. I picture him like, kind of running away now that he's found this treasure, kind of like doing that little heel click thing um, that I'm obviously not going to attempt um, up here. Uh, I couldn't do it this younger, when I was younger. I'm sure I haven't tried it in a decade. I can't do it now. Um, <clears throat> there's something, though, that's compelling about someone with joy, right? Someone who's um, excited. Joy, joy of this nature, it's difficult to fake. It's compelling to people who are, Maybe even considering the value of the object of your joy. See, guys, joyless drudgery to Christ, just going through the rules, it doesn't communicate to others that what we truly believe Christ to be is valuable and precious and worthwhile. So parents, that's that's one of the things I'm praying for myself. I wonder if you're praying it for you or if you would for this year, just that we would model joy um, as we serve Christ in our, uh, for our children, but even just among one another in our GCs, in our church, just that we would, we would not um, just embark on, on this, this journey with just this dutiful drudgery of keeping the rules. But man, our hearts would really be moved by Christ. So how do we do it? How do we learn to treasure Christ more than material things, or more than the opinions of others? How do we learn to treasure Him more than anything else? Well, I think the key to loving Jesus is understanding how much we need Him. You see, we won't treasure Him if we don't really think we need Him. Being saved from our sins 
Jesus being our Savior. Kids, you hear us talk about that. It doesn't mean very much to folks who don't think they really need to be saved in the first place. Folks who feel like they're already okay or, or better than most or, or most of the folks around them. They're, they're fairly moral people. You see, it's the people who are painfully aware of their sin. Folks who are desperate for Jesus. It's those people that love Him most. Even think about it in your own relationships and people you've known in your life. It's not theoretical sinners. It's actual sinners who rejoice in the gospel. It's not used to be sinners. It's it's people who currently are aware of their sin who rejoice in the good news of the gospel. And so it can be a painful thing, but it can be a gracious thing. And kids, Lord, well, I'm praying this will happen in, in the lives of my children that that there is a point where they start to, to see their selfishness and their sin. And, and they start to become aware of their selfishness and their sin. And that's really a first step in them being able to repent and follow Jesus. I want to tell you a story or read you a story about a woman who loved Jesus so much. A woman who loved Him extravagantly. This is from Luke chapter 7. I'll read it. It says, Then one of the Pharisees invited him, him is Jesus, to eat with him. He, being Jesus, entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume, which was really expensive. And she stood behind him at his feet, Weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing him, kissing them, and anointing them with her perfume. And when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus in saw this, he said to himself, This man, speaking of Jesus, if he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. But Jesus replied to him, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. And he tells him another story. He says, a creditor had two debtors. He said, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So one owed a lot of money and the other owed not that much money. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? So Simon thinks about it and answers, I suppose the one he forgave more. Jesus answered correctly, answered, you have judged correctly, he told him. And turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. You see, guys, we start to treasure Jesus and love Him more than anything 
once we realize how good He is and how much He's forgiven us for, once we realize the beauty of life with Him and all that He can offer and that He's not holding out on us and some of those things that we can be tempted to treasure, the material possessions, the opinions of others, the comfort, those types of things, we think those are really going to satisfy us. But the truth is that only Jesus satisfies us. That often in my life, I feel like that Jesus must be holding out on me. That he's given me a kind of a good gift, but he's holding out the best. But that's just not the truth, right? That he is the best thing that satisfies us the most. And so look to him and treasure him. Read one Bible verse, and then we're going to pray and be done. You guys have done great. It's from Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Paul writes, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I, can't, I count everything as loss because, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So what I want us to understand, guys, this morning is just what a treasure, what a value we have in Christ. Anything that we sacrifice for His kingdom, for His church, for one another, it doesn't compare to the value that He brings. He's so good. He satisfies our souls. What what else can be said of that? Guys, let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll do communion. Father, we just pause, and we thank you for being so good. Thank you for being so kind and patient to us, for satisfying us with good, as the psalm says. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would continue to direct our hearts. Father, I pray for everyone in here, Lord, from the oldest to the youngest, Lord, that we would... We would have hearts that grow softer towards you, or that we would look on the person of Christ with deeper affection and love and admiration, Lord, that we would treasure him above all else. And Father, and in that we would find satisfaction. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. from Emmanuel Church. To learn more about Emmanuel or to give, go to Emmanuel with an I, Birmingham.com. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Emmanuel Birmingham.